While the worst of the pandemic is behind New York, survivors are still grappling with the fallout, especially if they lost someone to COVID-19. To that end, State Senator Steve Rhodes carries a new bill amending the state's workers' compensation laws in order to address the timeliness of claims related to COVID-19 fatalities. And the Long Island Republican joins us in the studio to discuss his legislation. Welcome to the show, Senator. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's our pleasure. So what are the types of situations that you're hoping to address with this bill? We sent essential workers out to put themselves in danger during the course of the pandemic. Uh, the governor identified through his executive orders who essential work, workers were. So it was police, firefighters, nurses, doctors, those in the medical field, the EMS, but also you know construction workers, uh, individuals in grocery stores. Journalists. Journalists were out there. So the situation we're trying to address is that many didn't know, the surviving family members didn't know when one of them contracted COVID as a result of the exposure that we put them out to, uh, didn't know that they were eligible for death benefits. And that's reflected uh, through workers' compensation. And that's reflected in the numbers. It turns out that out of 6,600 potential death claims that could have been filed, only 2% were actually filed. And part of the reason for that, obviously, during the confusion of the pandemic, is access to information. But it's also, the, and, and families dealing with grief, uh, not knowing that those benefits even existed, much less whether or not they would be eligible for them. You see family members that now uh, could have had that assistance, that are being denied that assistance, uh, simply because we're now beyond the two-year statute of limitations. And so what we're hoping to accomplish is giving those families another bite at the apple so that they can get the assistance that their family member unfortunately earned through their untimely passing, but that would also assist them in, in the difficult recovery that many of these families are experiencing now. And are you envisioning with this legislation just moving up the window for filing a claim, or are you looking to create a specific look-back period the way we saw with the Child Victims Act and the Adult Survivors Act, which created, say, a one-year period for filing claims that otherwise would have been ineligible due to the timeliness? Well, essentially, we're looking to open that one-year window okay. that would allow potential claimants to be able to file those claims. And, and this was very much the result of my meeting a wonderful woman by the name of Victoria Fletcher. I happened to be at a, a, a TWU, a Transit Workers Union event, for something unrelated to the Senate. We were talking. She told me her story. Her husband was a subway operator. He had passed away during COVID as a result of his exposure. She's now raising a couple of kids on her own, uh, young children while working a full-time job trying to make ends meet. And until our conversation, she was completely unaware of the fact that she would have been eligible for death benefits for her husband's passing, Joseph's passing, through workers' compensation. By that time that conversation took place, we were beyond the two-year window. And so she would have been shut out from those benefits. And so her situation very much prompted my looking into were there other people who were in that situation? And it turns out that, that there are a significant number. And you know, this is an opportunity to give her, as well as those 6,600 families, uh, the opportunity to access the benefits that they're entitled to. Well, how meaningful are the, the death benefits that these families could potentially take advantage of if your legislation became law? Is this something that has a recurring effect, or are these just one-time payments that people could potentially get? Well, no, actually, it, it's, they're pretty significant benefits, uh, which equates to two-thirds of the, of the decedent's salary. 
the spouse, uh, any child under the age of 18, uh, any child under the age of 23 who's going to college um, would be eligible for that death benefit, which again equates to two-thirds of that individual's uh, working salary at the time of their passing. Yeah, and for context, just in New York City alone, over 4,700 kids lost parents to COVID-19. And given the percentage uh, that you mentioned of uh, uptake in this actual form, there are obviously a lot of kids who could potentially be impacted. If this does become law, how do you ensure that people like the family of Joe Fletcher are aware that they have this potential opportunity to file a claim? Does the state then need to begin a, a massive PR push? And, and that would that would ultimately have to take place. You know, obviously, we want to work with many of the unions because uh, a lot of the essential workers obviously are represented. You know, so pushing out information through them, pushing information out through employers and through media sources is going to be critical. Uh, and we'll be having a, uh, a press conference on Monday uh, at one o'clock with respect to the bill here in the Capitol uh, to sort of start that PR push, one to hopefully get the legislation uh, over the hurdle. Uh, getting past the the Assembly and Senate and onto the governor's desk, and and most importantly, uh, if we're successful in doing that, making sure information gets out there to those families. So speaking of hurdles here in Albany, Democrats control the Assembly and the Senate and the way partisan politics work. It's primarily Democratic bills that move through both houses. So given that reality, how do you envision getting this bill across the line? Do you need to bring on a Democrat to like co-sponsor or take over the bill in some sense? Or uh, do you feel like this is something that can uh, overcome the partisan politics that uh, so often are the key feature of this uh, place? Well, look, I'm, I'm a newbie to, uh, you know, to the Senate. Uh, we're starting now my second session. First session was spent building relationships, uh, you know, learning who you, who you can work with, learning how things work mm-hmm. up here in Albany. And, you know, I think ultimately we'll, uh, we'll find a, a partner that we can work with on the other side uh, and champion this bill together. And in terms of the cost of something like this, who's responsible for the payouts? Do the employers have to shoulder some of the costs? Does the state end up responsible because it's a state program? Where does the money come from? Well, ma- many of these are municipal workers. Uh, so ultimately, it would be the carriers for those individual municipalities that would be responsible for it. But even those that are private employees, like grocery workers, for example, these workers, uh, these uh, employers are required to carry workers' compensation insurance. So it would be the insurers that are on the hook for paying out on those benefits. And do you feel like the insurers have the capacity to take on additional benefit claims if there was, say, a one-year window and there was a real surge of uh, claims being submitted? Well, again, you're talking about a limited window of individuals. So we're talking about a total universe of probably about 6,600 workers, about 87% of whom, according to the Journal of Occupational Environmental Medicine, uh, were actually essential workers. Of them, they would still have to establish that the COVID exposure was related to the performance of their job. Uh, so, you know, it, it's difficult to envision how many will be able to make across that hurdle in order to be able to access those benefits. Uh, but even at a total number of 6,600, you're probably looking at somewhere between, you know, one to 2,000 who would, who would be able to successfully meet the criteria. Yeah. Is there a reason to believe that we should revisit the criteria for even establishing the COVID 
infection and the fatality were connected to work? Is there reason to maybe lower the threshold, given the fact that this is now, in some cases, three or four years that have passed and it might be more difficult to prove? Well, I think the threshold is the threshold at this point. The medical records are what the medical records are, and, and the passage of time will not have changed that. You know, I think the other thing that you have to be concerned about is the fact that you did have a series of claims that were filed under a certain set of rules and guidelines, uh, and that if you sort of change the rules of the game now, uh, you would have to go back and reopen, revisit all of those previously denied claims. So you know, that creates not only a logistical nightmare, uh, but uh, would create significant uh, backlog and problems for the Workers' Compensation Board that ultimately would have to determine that. Uh, I think by, by keeping the criteria consistent, it still affords these families the opportunity to, uh, to be able to prove that their loved one was, uh, was impacted and get them the benefits that they deserve. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We've been speaking with State Senator Steve Rhodes. He is a Long Island Republican and sponsor of legislation permitting certain claims for compensation based on death due to COVID-19 in memory of Joseph Fletcher. Senator, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for giving me the time. I appreciate it. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.